All right, good morning, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our little camp trivia time. Matthew chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7 will be starting in verse 21. If you don't, of course, have your Bible, that is okay. As always, we're going to have the words on the screen behind me so that you can follow along as we go into this. As you see on the screen, there is uh, our title of our message called, well, I've kind of titled Cardboard Christians. And then the question there below is, a deep relationship or just a cutout? And so what we really want to look at today is in this one-off series, one-off message before we jump into more series for the fall and stuff, is really looking at this idea of that question, is your relationship with Jesus, is it a, a deep relationship or are you just simply a cardboard cutout? And I remember growing up that there was this show that I always loved to watch. Uh, it was called Drake and Josh. And so Drake and Josh were stepbrothers. They, um, Josh Nichols, Drake Parker, they became really close friends, but they always had problems. One of them arose in an episode that I loved where they had this super rich friend who decided to throw this, what would be the birthday party of a century, of the century. Like they were going to have MTV hosting it, filming it, putting it on air for everybody to watch. Every guest that came just got $100 worth of gifts just for showing up to this birthday party. I don't know about you, but every birthday party I've been to, I've had to pay for a gift, not receive one. But so this was supposed to be the party of a century, right? And so they go, they're excited. I mean, there's going to be celebrities here and all this stuff. They put out all the stops. Well, Drake does what Drake does best in this show, and he ruins it. Uh, he goes off and does some things that causes Drake and Josh to get kicked out of the guests, off of the guest list. So they are no longer invited to this party. Well, they still decide, we're good friends with this guy. He's going to let us in. Let's just get him this really elaborate gift, something really amazing. And then we're going to go to the party. And we're going to stand at the door and we're going to offer this gift to him and say, hey, remember us. And so they walk up to the party and this big buff bodyguard stops him and says, names. And says, oh, well, Drake Parker and Josh Nichols, we're, we're on the list. And he said, sorry, you're not on the list. And they're like, oh, well, we, we know him. We, we know he's a friend. We've gone to school with him. We hung out with him all the time. We have this great gift for him. And he says, I'm sorry, you're not on the list. You are not allowed into the party. And so they start kicking and screaming and yelling, trying to get their friend to come out of the party, which he eventually does. And they try to plead their case. Look, we are so sorry for everything we've done. We didn't mean, can you please just let us back into the party? We know we're not on the list, but we brought this really amazing gift. Would you please accept this gift and let us into the party? The point of the story is they don't get into the party despite all of their efforts because they were missing one important thing. They weren't on the list. And so here's where I'm going with that. The verses we are going to walk through today, if I can be honest with you, scared me in college. I breezed over them a lot of times because I was so uncertain how to figure out what they were telling me. And so I did what a lot of people do, and that's when you don't understand a verse, you just skip over it. You're kind of like, okay, I'll just come back to it one of the day. This verse scared me, and so I skipped over it. And I'm afraid that many of us today have done the exact same thing. And so what I want to do is I want to go over this verse, these verses, and I want to help you understand what they are about and how we can apply them to our lives, because Maybe today, 
you're here and you are wondering or maybe scared the same way I was in college. And so let's read these verses, like I said, in your Bible, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21, and we're going through 23. They're short, but I promise they are so important. And so they're on the screen behind. Let's read. This is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, here it is, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Like I said, in college is when I really started to mature in my faith, really started to make my faith my own. I started following Jesus more seriously. And I read this verse in college, and it's, it frightened me. Like, I thought to myself, this, if, this must be the scariest thing in the walk for a Christian, is to think that you live this entire life, you go to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you help these people, you do all these great things, And then you're going to get to heaven one day, and I would hear these haunting words, depart from me, I never knew you. A whole life lived thinking I was spending eternity in heaven, gone in a second. That scared me more than I'd like to admit sometimes. So what I want to do today is I want to take this passage I want to help you understand that it isn't just about saying you're a Christian that's going to get you into heaven, but there's something more behind it. But then I also want to give you some reassurance of how you can know your salvation and security in heaven is good to go. You are secure in heaven when your time comes. And so the point, the observation that I make from this passage is this. Saying you are a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Saying you are a Christian doesn't make you one. In this past passage, it says many. Let me say that again. Many. Jesus isn't saying a few or just the bad people or just the tax collectors or a good amount or a decent amount. He's saying many, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, thinking they've lived this extravagant life for Jesus, this glorious life for Jesus, doing everything that they were supposed to do. And if we're to understand this passage, we have to remember that you can declare with your mouth, you can say you are a Christian, but not actually be one. And so that's a question I have for you today. Is Jesus Lord of your life or just Lord of your mouth? Do you just walk around saying, I'm a Christian, saying, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I read my Bible, I do this? Or has Jesus changed you in a way in which your whole life looks different? Is Jesus Lord of just your mouth or Lord of your life? It isn't enough for us just to say we are a Christian, that you follow Jesus, but there needs to be something more. Because, see, I can say I have friends. I can say, hey, that person's my friend, or that person's my friend, or oh yeah, we're close. But just because I say that I have a friend doesn't mean that we're actually friends. And so what I want to do is I want to give you four types of friends 
and how it relates to Jesus, like our friendship, our relationship with Jesus. And so the first one is this. It's what I call the dap em up friend. So what, guys, you know this. I guess a more common phrase would be the bro hug, right? You see someone at a social gathering. You walk up. You give them a bro hug. You give them a big hug. Man, this is so exciting. I'm so glad. I haven't seen you in forever. Dude, that's great. And then you walk away. And then you never talk to them until, like, next week. Like, oh, my gosh, I missed you, bro. We got to catch up. Yeah, okay, and then walked away. Ladies, maybe it's the same thing for you. You walk up. You haven't seen this girl in forever. You're freaking out. You're excited to see her. You give a big, giant hug. Oh, my gosh, it's been forever. Let's go grab coffee. We need to catch up. Okay, bye. You go, and you see them for this momentary minute, and then you just never talk to them again. Here's my fear. Many Christians, Christians, have dapped with Jesus and then dipped. They've gone to a summer camp. They've had this emotional experience. They've, Jesus met me on that mountain and I was so amazed and he just forgave me my sins and I just want to live a life for him. I, Jesus, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. And then you leave the mountain and nothing has changed. You've dapped and dipped with Jesus. Until this week at summer camp when it happens again. You've renewed your Christian license. So the dap them up friend. The second one is the follow for a follow friend. My social media people in the room know how this works. So let's just say Teresa. I don't know. Let's just say Teresa. Someone maybe knows a Teresa. I don't know. Tere- you know Teresa. Teresa's a good girl. Teresa knows Anthony. Anthony's a pretty cool guy as far as you know. But you don't personally know Anthony. You just know Teresa who knows Anthony. Well, Teresa goes and visits Anthony and starts posting on social media, and it's like, oh my gosh, wow, Anthony seems like a pretty cool guy. Let me follow him. Anthony follows you back, and then you maybe every once in a while reply to a story, comment on their posts, and it seems like he's a cool dude. And then one day, Anthony comes and visits with Teresa. And you see Anthony for the first time face-to-face, and you're like, this is weird because, like, I know you but I don't know you. I follow you on social media and you follow me, but we don't know each other. We don't have a relationship. Here's how that connects to Jesus. I think many of us have a follow for a follow relationship with Jesus where at some point in our lives, we have followed Jesus, but as long as Jesus, I'll follow you, Jesus, as long as you follow my life, my agenda, my wants, my needs, my desires, my plan. But Jesus, if you veer from my decision, I'm going to cut you off. I don't care. I'll just unfollow you. My fear is that someone in the room today has a follow for a follow relationship with Jesus. Our third one is this, the mutual friendship. The mutual friend. We all know what this looks like. Say, I don't know this person, but this other person knows them. And so we're kind of friends with them because I know the person that knows the person. And so you hang out with them, you do all these fun things together, you kind of know about them, but you don't know them. You don't have a relationship with them. The same with Jesus. My fear, again, is that you are in a mutual relationship with Jesus where you hang around a bunch of Christian friends, you call yourself a Christian because they follow Jesus, they love Jesus, they are sold out for Jesus. And so you think that means that you are also sold out for Jesus. Or on the flip end, maybe you're in the room today and you grew up in this Christian home, this amazing home there. You have been going to church since Sunday school, singing the Bible songs, memorizing verses, going to Awana, whatever it is. 
but you don't have a real relationship because it's really just been your parents. You are banking off of your parents or your friend's relationship with Jesus to call yourself a Christian, but you don't actually know him. The last one I like to call is the glow-up friend. The glow-up friend. So what it looks like is this. You are friends with somebody, kind of like, eh, you know, I know them, like, we're, we're okay, we go to the same school, but, like, I'm not friends with them because they don't really offer a lot of benefit. It kind of hurts my social status a little bit to hang out with them, so I'm not going to bother with them. My uncle actually told, he loves to tell the story that he uh, went to college, or he went college, high school, went to with Toby Mac, before Toby Mac was Toby Mac, but... He didn't know Toby Mac. No one knew that name, right? Nobody knew who that was, so it seemed insignificant to be friends with him. And now look at Toby Mac. <laughs> like, if you know Toby Mac, you know Toby Mac. Um, but here's the point. I'm afraid, again, that we have a glow-up friendship with Jesus. Because like that person, you didn't know them that well because they seemed insignificant, hurt your style a little bit. But now they've become like TikTok famous, get millions of views on their videos, and you're like, oh my gosh, let me, let me reach out. Man, it's been forever. Girl, we need to go get some coffee. I'm in town. Let's go do this. Same thing with Jesus, where we are in this passage today. The fear is that you're living this life for yourself, and Jesus has felt insignificant to you on earth. And he's maybe dampened your style a little bit, so you kind of kept them separate. But then you're going to get to heaven one day, and you're going to see Jesus for all that he is, all the glory, all the angels, hallelujah, praising his name 24-7, sitting at the right hand of God. And you can be like, Jesus, remember me? Remember back in, on earth? Like, yeah, I know, like, I, you seemed a little insignificant, like, you dampened my style, so I didn't want to follow you, but remember me, like, I'm here. And Jesus is going to say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. And that should be concerning, to say the least, right? See, none of these that I just mentioned are relationships. Because relationships take time, they take commitment, they take devotion, they take proximity. Simply knowing his name is not enough. Simply saying his name is not enough. There has to be more. And so if it's not enough to say that you're a Christian, then how can you know, how can you be sure that when the time comes, when you are at the gates of heaven waiting to enter in, you don't have to hear those haunting words, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus gives us the answer in our passage. But only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven only those that do the will of my Father in heaven will enter in. So, what is the will of God? Great, great question. We just went through an entire series not recently talking about how to hear the voice of God in our life, how to know the will of God, right? But I want to sum it up and make it very, very simple for you. But first, before I tell you what the will of God is, I want to tell you what the will of God is not. The will of God is not a religious resume. A religious resume. Hey, Jesus, look at all the things I've done. Here's everything I've done. I've read my Bible. I've prayed the prayers. I've, I've helped the poor. I've helped the needy. I've cut that old lady's grass. Here's all the things I've done. I'm in heaven now. 
See, because the word do, like this group that Jesus is talking to, gives the assumption is that there's something we can offer to get into heaven, but that's not right. That's what we could assume probably the biggest ones that Jesus talked to is the Pharisees, the religious leaders of this time that we've talked about, right? They come before him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast miracles in your name? And maybe you're here today and you're like, Josh, like, I haven't done any of those. So if they can't make it in heaven for doing those, how on earth am I supposed to get in heaven? Well, maybe you haven't tried to bring your religious resume to Jesus saying demon casting and, you know, all these things. But maybe you're bringing your religious resume, Jesus, did I not go to church? Jesus, did I not read my Bible every day? Jesus, did I not pray a prayer every day? Jesus, did I not tithe faithfully? Jesus, did I not go to that third world country and paint that school and help feed the hungry? Jesus, did I not, did I not um, volunteer at the San Diego food bank for my time? Jesus, did I not do in your name? Here's the problem with that. Jesus doesn't want your religious activity. He wants your proximity. He doesn't care about the things you're doing. He just wants you. A lot of you in the room today have been striving for God's love. You have been trying so hard thinking it's up to you to get his love, but it's not. It isn't what Jesus wants. He doesn't want a bunch of spiritual, empty Acts. Don't get me wrong, those are great. But he does, that's not what he wants. He doesn't want you to do your way into heaven. He wants you to know him, do the will of the Father. And so that's what the will of God is not. So, what is the will of God? Let me sum it up nice and easy for you. The will of God is what Jesus tells us in John 6:40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. There it is. The will of God is simply knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. See, we think that knowing the will of God is like, here's three doors in front of me and I have to choose the right one, but that's not how it works. The will of God is believing in the one that sent him saying that he is my Lord and my Savior, that he is my everything. He is Lord of all of my life. But also I believe, I'm convinced, likewise, doing the will of the Father means putting yourself in positions to share that with others. And so that means whether you go to NC State, whether you go to UNC, whether you go to Duke, ECU, Liberty University, Virginia Tech, UVA, stay local to community college, go to the workforce, do whatever puts you in the best position to share Jesus with others. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. That all, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. That's the will of God, not your religious resume. And so I get this can be a little challenging to gauge, right? Like, okay, great. So Josh, like, I can't just say I'm a Christian and get into heaven. I have to do the will of God. And the will of God is, you know, to everybody come to know him. But how do I gauge that? For my people in the room, they're like, I need, I need a scale. I need something to see 
that I'm doing the will of God, that I'm in a right relationship with Jesus. Well, that's my application for you today. My application is this. A right relationship with Jesus will produce fruit. A right relationship with Jesus will produce fruit. See, when your life begins to produce fruit, you know you are truly following Jesus and doing the will of God. Don't be confused. We're not talking about apples and oranges. Jesus talks about this fruit literally just prior in his passage, this passage before. He says, there's two trees. There's a good tree and a bad tree. A good tree will only produce good fruit, and a bad tree will only produce bad fruit. There's no other way around it. But here's the catch. Bad fruit can sometimes look like good fruit until you've bitten into it and realize it's rotten on the inside. Bad fruit can look like good fruit. And so we now know that in order to be in a right relationship with Jesus, we have to be doing the will of God. And that the will of God is that everyone should come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and have eternal life in heaven, the gospel. And we also have seen that we can gauge if we're in a right relationship with Jesus by when we bear fruit. So as we're closing today, I want to give you what those fruits are so that you can be certain when you come to see them. Galatians 5 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It says forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It says these are the fruits you will begin to show when you are in a right relationship with Jesus. But don't miss this. It starts on the inside. We here at Peace Church, we love the statement life change. That's in our mission statement, helping everyday people experience life change through Christ-centered relationships. Life change starts with heart change. You can't skip that step. To my people in the room who love to pull out a project and throw the directions aside and not follow step one, two, three, four, don't do this here. You have to be careful that you start with heart change. What Jesus does in your heart, in your life, will produce life change. It will produce the good fruit that shows when you're in a right relationship with Jesus. When you look at your life and you decide that Jesus is not just Lord of your mouth, but he's Lord of your whole life, you will see a changed heart and in turn see a changed lifestyle. You will begin to bear fruit. You will begin to exemplify his love, his sacrifice, his desire to see everyone come to know him as Lord and Savior over their entire life. This is where the Pharisees got it wrong. They mixed up, they messed up, they replaced a relationship with Jesus with a religion for him. They made following God all about what you do. Make sure you do this, you do that. And we talked about it, right? The Israelites were given the, 12, the Ten Commandments, and the religious leaders expounded it to a couple hundred commands that every person had to follow or else you weren't following Jesus right. They replaced a relationship with him with a religion for him. But they also made the outward appearance a priority over the inward. They messed that up. 
So where do you stand? That's my question. Where do you stand? Is Jesus Lord of your life or just Lord of your mouth? Is Jesus Lord over every inch of your life or over everything or over nothing? Are you a true Christian or a cardboard Christian? Are you in a deep relationship with him or is it simply just a cutout, waiting for the next storm to knock it over and your faith is gone? My invitation to you today is this. Don't walk out of here without knowing with 100% certainty that you're going to get to heaven one day and you're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into heaven. Don't walk away today without knowing 100% sure that you won't hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Talk to me, talk to Mike, talk to any of the leaders in this room. We will spend as long as it takes or as short as it takes to make sure that you know for sure which side you are on, where you stand. So is Jesus Lord of your life or just Lord of your mouth? Let's pray.